Well, good morning. We want to welcome you again to the Hills Church at home. If you're actually watching this because you're catching up, uh, we want to say welcome as well. In fact, if you haven't done so and you have a couple moments here that you can do this, you can go to our website and download the notes for today. Also, for those of you that have younger kids, you can download the activity sheet, which is a coloring for Mother's Day. And on that note, let me say happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. But we do this at the Hills Church. We honor all women. So we want to honor all of you today. So grab your Bibles, if you have them or if you have your device, um, Really, if you open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then get ready, we're going to be in 2 Timothy today. And I, I want to look at Timothy, this young pastor's life, but the influence that the Apostle Paul talked to him about in the Bible was that of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice that had a profound impact in his life for Jesus and for now his ministry and the Apostle Paul is going to remind him of that. And so Lord, we start today, we thank you for this opportunity again to come to you, to follow your words and your teachings to us. And Lord, you are the one redeeming the time, using this time, even though we're broadcasting through the internet or on our podcast, uh, the word of God is not chained, and the word of God does not return to itself void. And so our hearts are open today to listen to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then 2 Timothy. In fact, let me start with uh, the story that I had read. There were four brothers that all had left home for college and all had become very successful businessmen. And some years later, they were having dinner and they all talked about something that they could do to be a blessing to their mom. The first one said, uh, I'm going to build a very large house for mom. The second one said, I'm going to put in the most state-of-the-art home theater for mom. And then the third one said, I'm going to have the best Mercedes vehicle delivered for mom so that she can have the best car when she travels around. But the fourth one said this, you know how mom loves reading the Bible? And you know she can't read anymore because of her eyesight? Well, I met this preacher. He told me about a parrot that could recite the entire Bible. In fact, it took 20 preachers 12 years to teach the parrot. I had to pledge to contribute so much money every year for 20 years, but it was well worth it. And so here's what mom has to do. All she has to do is name the chapter and the verse and the parrot will recite it. The other brothers were so impressed with the gift of the Bible speaking parrot. Well, shortly after, or a year or so after, 
The mother sat down to write the thank you notes to her four boys for the gifts that they had given to her. And so she wrote first to her son, Milton. She says, Milton, the house you built is so huge. I only live in one room, but I have to clean the whole house. But thanks anyways. Marvin, um, I'm too old to travel, so I stay at home and I have my groceries delivered, so I never use the fancy Mercedes, but the thought was so nice. Thanks, Mom. To Michael, you gave me the most expensive theater with Dolby surround sound. It could hold 50 people, but all my friends have passed on. I've lost my hearing and I can hardly even see and I never use it. But thank you for the kind gesture. Dearest Melvin, you were the only son to have the good sense to think about and give me the most precious gift. I want you to know the chicken was delicious. Now, if you're still waiting to catch the, the punchline, she ate the Bible-speaking parrot. Oh, boy. Well, that was just to get you going and to get you set up. And so, anyways, we're glad that you're here today. So I want to start um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want to look quickly. God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to the children of Israel. These things are written down for us today as insight into our relationship with God. In fact, let, let me read this. I'm going to actually read it twice because I want to emphasize the word you and the word your. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk about them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. All right, let me read this again. But let me emphasize the words you and the words your. Notice what God is saying through Moses to the children of Israel, that it's our part to lean in to the word of God. Ready? You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, I command you today, shall be in your heart. That's the first step, getting God's word into our hearts. From the heart, notice where we go. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So about 17 times 
we are given that description of the you and the your. It's my relationship with God that I'm placing his words into my heart. But notice the transition that takes place. It's my passion for his word, placing those words into my heart. But here's the next step. Teaching this to those in my household. You know, as we go in and we look at the Bible, remember David, um, David and Bathsheba had a son, Solomon. In fact, and it says this in Proverbs chapter four, verse three and four, uh, Solomon writes these words. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Proverbs chapter four, verse three and four. He says those words, let your heart hold fast to my words. David and Bathsheba are teaching young Solomon the word of God, the words that they had back then, teaching him, passing those things on. You know, a mother would relax every day reading her Bible and after observing observing the habit for several years, her seven-year-old daughter asked her, aren't you ever going to be finished reading that book? You know, we're never finished. Lamentations lets us know he is new every morning. Our minds are being renewed day by day. In fact, we are all a work in progress. I can't rely on the very things from yesterday. I come to him every day for his strength and for his power and for his direction in my life. It's new every morning. There's not a day where I put it down. It's every day that I'm pressing into him. So I want to shift and I want to look again at the relationship that the Apostle Paul had with Timothy. But the Apostle Paul is going to speak and remind Timothy that he was taught as a young man by his grandma Lois and by his mom Eunice. But one of the first times that we hear about Timothy when we read uh, in Acts chapter 16, it lets us know there was a disciple named Timothy He was the son of a Jewish woman that was a believer, but his father was Greek. You know, for most of what we read, we we see that somewhere in Paul's uh, missionary journey, even when we start catching up in 1 Timothy, that um, a lady named Lois gets saved and a lady named Eunice gets saved, both Jewish, yet Eunice's husband was Greek. But we read about that. They were saved. They were transformed, and obviously, Eunice has a young son named Timothy, and she begins to teach young Timothy, even the very things that we've been talking about, teaching him about the things of the Lord, probably teaching him about Jesus, what the Apostle Paul has said. Well, here's what we know. Timothy later joins the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey, And he probably spends at least three years preaching and teaching in Ephesus before he becomes the pastor of the church of Ephesus, where when we read Ephesians, 
we're reading Paul's letter to the church, but also that encouragement to a very young pastor named Timothy in a city of turmoil, a church that's going through divisions and many things that we read about. Paul is directing them, giving them doctrine, reminding them about Jesus. But in 2 Timothy, where I want to pick this up, Paul has gone from Philippians to being under house arrest and chained to now in 2 Timothy, he's in prison. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But I wanted to pick up this story in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. I want to read this to us today. And it starts with this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, here we go, we're reading about Timothy. A beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. Notice the Apostle Paul already gives us a hint. I'm mindful, Timothy, of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you. Notice he's saying this to Timothy. Timothy, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind. You know, we read on the passage translation, I love this translation about verse five. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother, Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother, Eunice, and it is clear that you are following in their footsteps of the godly example. But let's not forget, I'll read verse 14, because the other part of this partnership uh, is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Timothy, guard that deposit of the word inside of you. So I already mentioned Paul's missionary journey sees Lois and Eunice accept Jesus. Um, Timothy is taught. Timothy becomes saved. Timothy somehow connects with the Apostle Paul, is traveling, preaching with the Apostle Paul, gets appointed uh, as a pastor of this church. And as we're reading here, there are some things going on that we don't have all of the insight to, but evidently Paul is aware that on occasion that Timothy is in tears. It's probably a transitional time in him. And so the Apostle Paul is going to come back with these words as an encouragement. Where I wanted to pause real quick 
was to get a little insight on exactly where the Apostle Paul is as he writes this, because it's easy to say that he's in prison, but really what happens, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, it gives us more of an insight into what's happening in Paul's life, and here's what Paul knows and writes these things down. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. You know, in 64 AD, the emperor of that day was Nero. And in the city, there were um, five of the ten, or fire in 10 of the districts, yet none of the Christians in that, in that era lost their life. Yet they blamed the fire. In fact, uh, it was blamed on Paul and they had him thrown in prison, but not just any prison, a prison that we would call today Mamertine prison. And we know this, that Paul ended up being executed in 68 AD. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this prison. This prison uh, was used for what we call high value targets. So this just wasn't a prison, prison for anyone. Yet Paul was thrown in this prison and your next move from this prison wasn't necessarily going to a judge. It was being executed. This prison back in those days was nicknamed the House of Darkness. It was because the prison itself was neglected. It was dark. It was cold. It had a stench. You know, the, the Romans were very efficient with aqueducts and building and sewer systems and it's known that because it was so low down of a location that as the sewer waste would rise, it probably rose within the jail where Paul is writing to Timothy. In fact, to get in this exact prison, they were lowered in a hole. So here Paul has gone from house arrest, being chained to a soldier, freely able to write and visit people, but now he's being lowered into a pit, a dungeon, the house of darkness, a stench, cold. In fact, later uh, it mentions for them to bring him a, a coat. Do you know that people that are in prison, effect, uh, usually for a long time, when they write or when they communicate, they're not communicating to encourage other people. In fact, usually they're communicating for help. They're communicating for things that they need. And where we find the Apostle Paul is in this situation that nobody would want to be found in. In fact, we read in later in 2 Timothy, he mentions, when you come, bring me a coat. And he also means bring me books and bring me parchments. He was not going to stop writing and encouraging and using the gift that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is in the midst of his own mess, yet he's going to write out to Timothy. And I, I want to read a few of those verses again. In fact, verse two, he says to Timothy, you're a beloved son. I wonder what... Timothy thought when he gets this letter and he opens it up and he, know it's, he knows it's to the church and he's reading this and on verse two, the apostle Paul writes and specifically names him and says these words, you're a beloved son. 
He's got to know where Paul is and what Paul's going through. He's probably thinking, why is the guy even mindful of me, a beloved son? In fact, in verse five is where Paul wants to go right to the heart of Timothy to remind him of this. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandma Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it dwells in you. Another translation says, I'm sure that it's alive on the inside of you. Do you know, statistically, we know this. 83% of those that accept Jesus as their savior do so between the ages of four and 14. 83% between the ages of four and 14. Well, let me ask you a question. Where are they living during that time. They're living in a home. They're in home. They're being taught. They're witnessing. They're watching things take place, but they're in a home. You know, when we, uh, when Michelle and I were youth pastoring and we would meet with these kids and the reason we would meet with certain kids where the parents would contact us and they're saying, we just can't get so-and-so straight. We just can't get this person right. They're rebelling. They're doing this. They're getting terrible grades. They're, they're, not, um, they're not obeying the curfew. They're out all night. Would you meet with them? Would you talk some sense into them? And you know, um, pretty much most of the time, you know what we found out? The problem wasn't with the kids. The problem was with the parents. And we learned when we got asked, hey, I need you to meet with my child we learn this. No, no, no. Let's not meet with your child first. Let's have a meeting with you. You know, um, it's so important, the things that we're teaching and passing on. You know, we can pass certain great traits onto our kids, hardworking, right? Um, that, they're, that they've learned to pick up and they're independent and they work strong on their own, that they don't need somebody over their shoulder Yet, let's not neglect what we know is the important thing, is that they're being taught the Word of God, that the Word of God is going in their heart. In fact, I asked myself this question, so what do you think Lois and Eunice were teaching Timothy? You know, they didn't have all of the resources that we have today, and the helps and the videos. You know, and I read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Listen, listen to these words. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, for which you are able to make wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop there. Here's what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. From childhood, they were acquainted with the sacred writings. You know, we read in Deuteronomy, get it in your heart, write it on your hand, put it between your eyes, put it on the walls, have it out there. Have it alive. We know this. The Word of God is active. The Word of God is alive. 
The word of God is speaking. The word of God does not return to itself void. And so Lois and Eunice are, have been teaching these things. And then the apostle Paul reminds us that all of this scripture is breathed by God. Do you know, even if you were to start and you were to start tonight at a family table reading a chapter out of Proverbs, maybe you took Proverbs 10 and you sat down and you read Proverbs 10 to make sure that God's word is getting on the inside of your children. You know, uh, though we celebrate Mother's Day and we honor mothers, we know this, there are many women that couldn't have children But here's what I do know about you you ladies. You have nieces and nephews. You have neighborhood kids. You have kids somehow, somewhere from work relationships. Kids come across your path. You have nurturing gifts. You have qualities about you that attract those kids. Remember this, there might be other people's children that are coming across your path that these kids are not being taught. Take those opportunities to speak God's word to them. Read God's word to them. Maybe you have a picture up of your favorite Bible verse and they have to see it every day before they go out that front door because it's on the wall. Maybe they hear about it, but allow those things because in Timothy's life, when he was going through the most difficult time and even in in a season that we don't know exactly what was taking place, And though he had the Apostle Paul writing him from the worst prison, he still reminded him of the faith of his grandma and his mom that was passed on to him. You know, and that's how it works. It's passed on to us. You know, I know this. Uh, We follow the God and our Lord Jesus Christ because of our parents. They've taught us, they take us to church, they speak about it. But there comes a day when we start serving the God that we know outside of them, that's what we need to see happening in our kids, that they learn to follow the Lord. What if there was no church? Thank God that we can use these opportunities even to live stream or or to upload our videos or to do our podcast. What if there was no Christian schools, Sunday schools, Christian clubs, no Christian friends? How would you teach your children? If the Christian faith doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. Works first at home. You know, when our kids first started kindergarten, that's when we learned this. There was a shift that took place from they spend all of their days and their time with us. Now they spend their days, six, eight hours as they get older, even more with teachers that we don't know and sometimes friends that we don't know, but we trust the word of God that's been placed on the inside of their heart. Because we get this example from the Bible, Lois and Eunice spent time teaching Timothy. Now Paul spends time teaching Timothy to see him equipped, but we read in verse 14, it's that partnership with the Holy Spirit that begins to bring all those things back to his memory. You know, Timothy, didn't come from the right background. His father, evidently, according to the scripture, isn't a spiritual leader. He's young. He's not the Apostle Paul. He's trying to figure out this thing called ministry. And 
in a crazy community and with some crazy people in his church, and he's trying to lead this church, but his heart for God and his passion for God was evident, and his nurturing for the Lord and for Jesus Christ was from a faithful grandma. Do you know in our society today, many grandmas have the awesome responsibility of having more time with their grandkids. Use those opportunities to teach them. It was his mother that would begin to teach him as a young boy the scripture and to get him in the right places and somehow got him with the Apostle Paul. But it's the Holy Spirit that keeps it going. Well, let me close with these two thoughts. One is this. I want to pray for those You've got kids that are out there. In fact, uh, maybe you've tuned in today and then the only kids you have are nieces or nephews or you've got neighborhood kids or you have coworker kids or people that you keep up with. I want to pray over those kids that have that word of God in their heart. Do you know it doesn't take much? It just takes a seed of his word to be planted and for the Holy Spirit to pop that up on the inside of them. So could we pray for them? In fact, maybe wherever you are, you just name them before the Lord. So Lord, we stop today and we pray over those young men, young women, maybe even over those children, that the deposited word of God in their hearts would grow. That even as we pray today, that your presence surrounds them, that the word of God doesn't fail, It never fades away, but I pray today that it becomes an increase and a strength in their heart, that they begin to call out to you, cry out to you, look to you, and ask those questions. And even those that are running from you, God, I pray today that you bring the prodigal home in Jesus' name. And lastly, for those that have tuned in and You don't know Jesus. We learn about him from God's word. In fact, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, and it lets us know the most effective and powerful prayer that we can ever make is confessing God's son, Jesus, as Lord. Jesus that came to earth, laid down his life to be crucified on a cross to be resurrected from the dead, to be, a, be witnessed by over 500 people, to rise and to be and sit with his father, but he forever prays for you. And would you pray that simple prayer today that you would ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to follow him. Go and get a Bible or go online and look at a Bible or reach out to us so we can send you a Bible and read about the life of Jesus, his teachings, and allow his word to be planted in your heart and watch what the Lord does. You know, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read one uh, one verse or two verses to us out of chapter of Psalm 115. And it says this, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield He will bless you who fear the Lord, both great and small. And as we do each week and when we take this time in our giving, we pray and say this prayer. 
And we don't just read the words on a paper or on a screen. We, we pray this from our heart. We, we believe that as we pray this, that God is at work. Would you pray this with me? As I give in today's offering, I commit myself to walk in the fear of the Lord with humility and sincerity and to respect, honor, and obey the Lord God Almighty. I repent of any independent attitude or pride, and I ask God to keep me and to bless me in every way. I give today with total confidence in my God, in Jesus' name, amen. In fact, if you're giving to the church, uh, you can actually do it in two ways. You can mail in at the Hills Church, P.O. Box, 661419, it's Arcadia, California, 91066, or uh, the quicker, safe, uh, secure way is to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, click on give, and you can give that way as well too. So for every mom and for every woman, I want to read this prayer over you, and then I also have a special uh, surprise for you as well, too. This is a prayer for all women today as we celebrate Mother's Day. For every pregnant mother who cradles her little one safe inside. For every mother of little ones who never has a moment alone. For every mother of grown ones who misses the commotion and all of the chauffeuring, you are loved. For everyone who has stood beside a hospital bed, for everyone who still tucks their child in bed at night, for everyone who has brought a child up for dedication, and for everyone who's had to stood by a graveside, for everyone who has a regret, for everyone who rejoices in the gift of adoption, you are loved. For the one who is heartbroken by another negative pregnancy test, and for the one who wonders how to feed another little mouth. For every grandma that's raising her grandchildren, and for every young mother doing it on her own. For the single mom working two jobs and pinching pennies, and for the stay-at-home mom who's counting the cost, you are loved. For every woman who longs for a child, for every woman who prays for a child, for every woman that loves a child, you are loved. For every woman that is single and for every woman that is married, for every woman that prays for a child, with a child, over a child, for every woman today, precious and beloved in God's sight, you are loved. Well, we'll come back